going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to a special episode of Crossplay, our video game podcast here at the Whatnots. Uh, today we have something a little different, something a, a, a bit special. Uh, we have a wonderful interview that we are about to to, to do right now. Uh, you guys know me. My name is Kyle Springer. I am joined by Gino Viteri. Hello, everybody. Hope you're having a nice day. Indeed. And uh, creative director of three out of, t- 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 of ten, which may be best described as an interactive sitcom from Terrible Posture Games, we have Joe Mirabello. Hello, everyone. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you, Joe. Thanks for coming on the show. I'm happy to be here. Indeed. I do also want to give a uh, big shout out to Josh Silverman for setting this up. Uh, thank you so much for all the hard work and the back and forth of making this work. Hats off to you. Joe, how how how's how's the week been? How's 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 things been where you are? Where I am? Uh, well, it started out a little cold. I'm in the Boston area, so we got hit with uh, okay. a little bit of snow towards the beginning of the week. But uh, things For are sure. going well. Uh, uh, me and my team, we're working on season two out of, of three out of ten. Um, and we're uh, knee-deep in that. Um, it's been an exciting process. Uh, do you want me to kind of dive into pitching that real quick and just give you the yeah, like, sure. two cents? Yeah, sure. Please go, go for it. Sure. Okay, so as you said, three out of ten is an interactive sitcom. We've been calling it a, a playable sitcom. Um Sure. And uh, it is literally a mix of cartoon and gameplay. Uh, it takes place in 30-minute episodes, and it is a story about the world's worst video game dist- uh, studio. Um, mm-hmm. In uh, 3 out of 10, the developers have never, ever made a game that scored better than 3 out of 10. So the running gag is them trying to make a game that does somewhat less worse or less bad. <laughs> um, so anyway, though, the... Uh, um, the, the game is a really an experiment in how to combine narrative tel- storytelling with gameplay. Um, and you get a 30-minute episode, and you get a lot of interesting little mini-games in each episode. Yeah. And some fun explore phases. Um, it's kind of a mixture of what you might expect from Telltale and old LucasArts games mixed with some really fun, creative experiments and design. It's been a blast to work on. We released Season 1 uh, for free on the Epic Game Store uh, in uh, the second half of 2020. And now we are uh, in the midst of season two working on that so it's uh it's exciting to work on it's been fun to see the reception um we can say that uh four and a half million people have have uh wow claimed the first uh uh season that's incredible first episode of the first season um uh those are the only numbers that i know i can share but uh, we've been pretty happy with how the response has been um and uh it's been exciting to work on i'm really uh i really enjoy the project and i'm excited to talk about it that's wonderful, yeah. Uh, I I I got to play all five of them. I had a a blast playing it. I was laughing. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and yeah, it was it, it, it was good fun. Jeno, I know you made it almost all the way through. I think you were in like the yeah. last half of the fifth one or something there. Yeah, you told me like the last I think ten minutes that I missed. Uh, I was I was playing it all today. Um, your your humor uh joe really shows here i think you and uh you and who who else was it that wrote with you i believe um, was mostly just me mostly uh, just you? on season one we had some people helping out on season two there okay. well it yes it was me although i had a lot of people auditing my work as we go through and there was like sure, okay. a lot of the stuff in the background which is by artists who kind of learned the tone 
Um, uh-huh. And so they'd add little notes or funny gags in the background, and we kind of encouraged that. Um, so I guess you would call that contributing to the writing. Yeah, for the, sure. The the humor and the dialogue really stands out. Uh, oh, thanks. So that's that's something that it, it makes me laugh as much as a a game like South Park, you know, would 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 have Excellent. made me I'm laugh. I'm glad to hear that. that. And and like you mentioned, uh, the way you mix um, cartoon with you know that telltale like gameplay it's something i had never seen before it's so interesting uh the way you also mix mini games into it there's there's i think there's pinball if I, mm-hmm. or there's a pinball mini game there's first person there's uh brawler uh mini games it, it's just a, a lot <laughs> a, threading in so many different kinds of games it, it's super interesting super unique so i commend you on on all of that super great thanks that's uh that's very i mean okay so first off you know thank you very much for the writing comment i i also think that uh the writing is only you know a tiny portion we have some awesome voice actors uh, who just yeah. did a really good job with delivery um and they've kind of grown with these characters as much as i have uh, over the last year and a half um or two years now however long we've been working on it but uh they've grown just as much as i have in terms of knowing characters and their interactions and yeah nailing the personalities of each um, so yeah, that's been fun to see. And they, they were, you know, talented. Uh, and I'd worked with some of them before on previous games, but this is the first time where I have a, had a chance to like develop a relationship that's been ongoing with an actor where it's like yeah. working with the actor on the first episode. And then a month later with the second or third or fourth, you know, like mm-hmm. kind of just over yeah. the course of a year, regular sessions and really getting to know them, um, and them getting to know me in the writing. It's been, it's been fun. Um, that's yeah. good. That's good. So I, I will we'll circle back around to three out of ten, but I did want to get kind of a bit of your journey as a developer in, in here as as well. Um, and so like you, you, you've been in the games industry for 15, 16 years. Is that correct? <laughs> that is true. Since uh, since, well, 2005 ish, um, okay. I had my first art test in 2004 for Mythic Studios. Makers of Dark Age of Camelot, if you remember that game. Uh, Did not get that job. But that (laughs) gives you a date of when I kind of entered the industry. Um, But yeah, I've been in the industry since 2005. I worked for a company named Iron Lore, which made a game called Titan Quest, um, which uh, that was a great studio to work for. It was a really, I couldn't have asked for a better first experience in the industry. It was a really positive group of people there, and we were making some fun stuff. Um, And uh, I still have a lot of those, you know, friendships today. And uh, after um my time on titan quest and the expansion pack uh, i went to a company called 38 studios which was also a great team of people but that has a much less i mean iron lore closed down unfortunately um Mm -hmm. but uh 38 also closed down but had a much different story whereas iron lore's closure was bittersweet yeah uh uh, because we had made good stuff and we all bonded as team 38s was filled with a lot of you know uh controversy and and lots of bit of yeah arms with that one yeah i believe everyone knows about that yeah (laughs) yeah most people if they've been following the industry know about that and i was there from i okay so the two studios were in the same exact building i was thinking about moving on from iron lore i had really enjoyed my time there but i was like hey everyone it's time for me to go and get a sophomore type position kind of like like kind of try something else i want to try and and move uh to a different kind of studio and a different kind of genre of games and uh 38 literally opened up next door. Um, and I was originally thinking about maybe going out West, trying out, you know, my hand at like trying to apply to some of my dream studios. Uh, mm-hmm. I just started dating a lady and I want to see where it went. 
I was like, well, here's another studio that also has some celebrities involved, and maybe we'll see where that goes. And being from the ground up might be interesting. Yeah. When Iron Lore, when I joined Iron Lore, it was uh, years after they had started, and their technology base was down. They had their vision on what they were building. It, they knew exactly where they were going with it. And when I joined 38 Studios, we didn't even have computers yet. Um, mm. We didn't even have flooring in the building yet. My oh, interview wow. <laughs> was literally in just one room with Kurt, um, the controversial, excuse me, controversial figure at the top there. Um, yeah. That said, even though I was there from the beginning, it was just as an artist. And, you know, when all of this stuff began going crazy, we were 300 people. Um, I was employee number, like, somewhere in the 20s, I think. Uh, but it grew up to 300, 350 people, something like that. And uh, the our team, we were we were trucking and doing our thing. You can see videos of the product we were working on, the Copernicus Amalur yeah. MMO. And uh, I slowly grew as I was there from being just a more of a mid-level artist at that point, becoming more senior, to becoming more technical, to becoming a senior technical artist. Over the course of five years, I became incredibly technical and developed a lot of confidence in um, dealing with technology and dealing with interacting with multiple teams and disciplines and. Uh, I had a team of, of technical artists under me, and we were all servicing the uh, environment artists. Um, and uh, I learned an awful lot there. And the team there was great, actually. Um, for all of the controversy that happened and for all of the, the, uh, you know, the, the crazy headlines that came out of it, the management largely stayed away from the development of at least my section of development. We were, we were developing some cool stuff there, and we were making something we thought was pretty neat. Yeah, and, it's wonderful. Uh, when that studio closed, I was kind of like, well... You know, I don't necessarily want to go through this again, work into a big studio, at least right now. I kind of wanted a sabbatical because that was five years of my life just kind of put up in a box, tossed in a warehouse somewhere. No sure, one's ever yeah. going to see it. So uh, that was kind of a felt like a big waste of time. But I had grown myself. And so I was like, all right, let's maybe see if I could do something with that. And I set out on a mission to build a game as fast as I could. Uh, and over the course of 20 months, I taught myself how to... I taught myself basically light uh, engineering work, scripting in Unreal 3, and made a game called uh, Tower of Guns, which yeah. uh, was a lot of fun to work on. It was really rushed development because I was racing <laughs> against a, a wallet of how much time I had. You know, I was like, here's how much time I have based off of how much I have in my savings account. Um, for sure, for sure. And uh, uh, I expected that to be complete, and maybe it would be something fun that I could say that I did where I built a game mostly on my own. And then uh, my brother helped out with music, and I had various other people come kind of along the way, helping out with QAing and testing and later on ports. Um, but uh, I thought I'd go back into the industry at that point. And instead, that kind of gotcha. became a career. And yeah. uh, I went from just me to me and collaborating with other studios on follow-up projects to hiring people to now we've got a team of a dozen people plus a, a handful more contractors, and we're a, a, a real studio, and it feels really weird. <laughs> yeah. So, so you mentioned that that sort of a change from the big studio to uh, a smaller studio that you created now, the indie, the indie a scene. Uh, how does that does that feel more fulfilling to you now than you were at the big studio? Is there cons to it in a way? Um, yeah, there is cons. You can't do. You have to really be careful with scope. Um, there's a lot you can do that is more liberating because you can just mm -hmm. build stuff that you think would be potentially super successful and you know like tower guns that was the first time at least that i had seen anybody combine a first person shooter and a roguelite type progression um and sure. i could just chase that i could just be like this is what i want to see um yeah. and you can't really do that in triple a very well 
you kind of have to vet everything. You have to kind of scope everything around your, you still have to do a lot of scoping in the indie scene and we have to do more and more of that as we grow. But when it was just solo, it was just kind of like, write down on a piece of paper what I think I can build, build as much as I can, call it done. <laughs> um, and in some way, this, you can still maintain that process, but um, I was not beholden to anybody. Um, and then yeah. as we grow, I am beholden to uh, even just the sense of responsibility, being responsible to my own employees, realizing that I need to do, uh, make smart decisions in order to keep us all um, uh, employed and to have a stable work environment, um, stable and healthy work environment. So um, that responsibility does you know, limit some of the risk you can take. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. Yeah, as much as we talk about, you know, uh, you know, a studio like, sorry, to go back to Ike Iron Lore again, I look at them now with a lot of admiration about them trying to keep everybody uh, working in a stable environment and like seeing how they did that. And even when things didn't go well, how they closed down the studio, I look to as a, um, uh, a real, like, uh, I, I admire the way they ran that place. Uh, from what I know, I don't know very much because I was so junior then, but from what sure, I've seen, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's commendable. Gotcha. Well, af after you did Tower of Guns, you then moved on to Mother Gunship, which was your, your follow-up with that. And mm -hmm. I found some interviews that you had done uh, at the time of release of that. And you mentioned that you were uh, working on that game basically re remotely and internationally and stuff like that. And yep. here we are in yeah. 2021 and we, we got hit by this big pandemic where everyone is forced to work from home and 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 stuff like that so what was there something you learned from the development of that second game that then helped you uh in this past year because i i know you guys have continued to work remotely since then we have yeah um so okay that's a good question and um that mother gunship was built in collaboration with a company of grip digital um and a very talented group of people there um and one of the things, though, I learned was that if you split your focus between people who are remote and people who are in a location, then the lines of communication quickly get lost. Design decisions quickly get uh, made on one side, but the other side may not know. Interesting. Um, and I found, or I guess I kind of had a hunch that going fully remote and not having a split would actually be more successful than splitting some of your team remote and some of them not remote. Um, and so mm -hmm. when I began ramping up uh, Terrible Posture Games afterwards... I made the conscious decision to not have a headquarters that everyone had to go to. And this would have been in 2018, 2019. It was gotcha. The very beginning of 2019. Um, and uh, I, uh, um, you know, made sure that you know, people could pretty much work, not necessarily from anywhere, because it is a little bit of logistical headache, um, but uh, much more freeform than what you would find at other companies. And um, uh, that has led to us developing a culture that is rooted in being online. And virtual mm -hmm. um and so we still have a decent amount of in jokes we still have a decent amount of camaraderie being built and uh um say we've gotten to know each other very well me and my team yeah uh, my team of people but you know i've only met three of them or four of them in person for sure oh, wow. which is really wacky <laughs> it's, so. it's it's similar to to what we do here at the whatnots because i've i've never met Gino in yeah. person i'm <laughs> i'm in virginia Virgi virginia and he's dead down in G in georgia yeah. uh so yeah it's it's 
interesting to have, to have that that mix of, of like, well, how like I I want to get to know them, but I don't want to only get to know them while I'm working. But like, how like how yeah. do I make that work and that culture work? You know, it's 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 an it's an interesting puzzle. To, to well, how did you two connect the dots then? Uh, well, we met on Twitter. Uh, just, yeah. just we were putting out a a a call for like, hey, we were we're looking for some more hosts for our video game podcast. Uh, and Gino was one of the ones that spoke up and was like, I've never done this before, but I would love to, yeah. you know. Um, and we just kind of started talking and went from from there. Excellent. And how long ago was that? I reached out to him. I think they put that out in August of this past year, around there. It was around oh, okay. there. It was so like early yeah. fall, eight late months, summer months ish. Now. Yeah. Yeah, eight months, nine months. Uh, yesterday, I mean, last year, uh, obviously, a lot of us were stuck at home, and I decided to, you know, throw myself into content creation in some way and uh, started a. Uh, networking online getting to know people through there and found kyle and the whatnots uh they put out they were obviously looking for more hosts and i reached out not thinking i was gonna get anything back but luckily they they noticed me and that uh, i've learned through kyle and 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 the other guys and it's been a lot of fun doing all of it online but like you said kyle uh, that that dynamic of only doing stuff online, like yeah. we can't go. Let's go out and get a drink and and bond and stuff like that. It's not stuff that you can do, or you know, after work you you go out for drinks and and stuff. Yeah, like there's that. none of that. So, there's nope. none of that here. So no. it's it's I mean, interesting to to build a relationship online rather than in person. Yeah, it's not that uncommon though. If you think about a lot of the, I mean, like I've had friends that I've only ever known virtually for decades now. Um, especially mm-hmm. once I got more into the online gaming scene, um, and, or when I got into the, you know, art scene, because all the, you know, in the early 2000s, you know, we're talking a long time ago, but game artists, uh, of skill were, were concentrated really in L in basically California. Um, and everyone else was just trying to learn. There were some hot spots around the, around the country, um, For sure. and around the world, but, uh, largely in order to learn your trade, no schools knew how to teach this stuff. And so I came into this industry as an artist. I had to learn online. And so I developed a lot of relationships just that way. So it feels like this is kind of a natural progression, the idea of a relationship now that's just more real time. But I've had online only like friends ever since the days of old message boards and and AIM, you know? Yeah, for Um, sure. Yeah. So and now it's just shifted to Discord and Discord and what else do we use? Twitter, I guess. Slack, yeah. I believe people use it. Slack too. Yeah. We shifted away from Slack actually. Um, uh-huh. Slack is powerful, but like what we like is Discord's open chat rooms. So we'll just have a chat room there and throughout the day people will just drop in and drop out and they can kind of treat it like a place just to chat while they're working. Obviously the engineers have a hard time focusing if it, things are getting <laughs> chatty, but a lot of the animators can animate while chatting. You know? um, Interesting. Which is not too, okay. It's not dissimilar from how it is at an office. You'll have people striking yeah. up conversations in the background while you're doing stuff. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's something that's actually helped. That um, we've got a few game nights that we've we've done. We need to do more of those. You know, things like that help build company culture and just in general, um, creating a lot of emojis that make fun of each other is fun. <laughs> 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 
that's good. Yeah, we we've we've just started up some game nights and some weekly streams where we can all just like let's just you know go play this game and have have and hang have out, fun yeah. with that. Yeah, so it's been yeah, good. it's nice to kind of put even though you're still virtual, you're still sitting at the same desk. You kind of put a different, uh, uh, I guess you'd say you you put a different fabric over the kind of relationship shift into that mode. For sure, and you can you can be a little bit less work oriented. Just kind of talk about what you actually like or don't like about whatever. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Indeed. Well, one last thing that I wanted to get to uh, before kind of jumping back into three out of ten. A few years ago, you gave a talk at GDC about your experiences going from Tower of Guns to Mother Gunship and kind of the topic of failure. I was wondering if if your experiences or your your thoughts on that have changed since then. Uh, and, and if they've then influenced three out of ten, because that is kind of the joke of that, that they, you know, they can't make a good, good game there. So, yeah, yeah that's that's an interesting one, because I forgot about that. That was at the Failure Workshop GDC uh, 2015, I think. No. Mm-hmm. Yes. 2015. Yeah. Um, and thanks for seeing that. Thanks for watching that. It was uh, for sure. I remember giving that talk. I remember thinking that it was. um like coming out of a low point in my career when you come when you get done with any any um big massive project you kind of have this interesting postpartum depression it feels like you've kind of like got something out there into the world and you kind of are left with a vacuum where it used to be in your life and your yeah. part of your identity has been pulled away um so it's very hard to ship a game and not feel like that at least in some point um and uh tower of guns very much had that with me because it was something i was keeping very internal like as the thing i was rolling on for about a year and a almost two years um in the end um and uh i went from like prototype to prototype to prototype afterwards and um i found that um being so private with what i was working on actually was was problematic it was causing us a down like a tailspin that Mm -hmm. that didn't help that feeling of depression um and uh when i moved on to three out of ten um actually i moved on to mother gunship rather one of the biggest differences was that I had coworkers again. Um, yeah. And I had a team. I was working with Grip. I was working with some close uh, former coworkers of mine who I brought on to work with me on Mother Gunship. Um, and they were excellent. Um, and I was able to kind of build up those relationships and develop a shared sense of investment in, in the project. And that shared sense of investment is self-feeding. Um, if you're working solo, you end up constantly doubting yourself. And that's a self-feeding loop of negativity. Yeah, but if sure, you have yeah. multiple people working on something with you, Together, you can egg each other on. If there's moments of doubt, they can be covered by other people's moments of confidence. And together, you can kind of build up into a, a tailspin of goodness. So anyway, though, that talk, if I remember correctly, that's what that talk was kind of about. Um, and I still feel like that's pretty accurate to how I feel about the industry and how I feel okay. about collaborations. Um, that's fair. Yeah. I feel like I've gotten even more so down that path. And there's some, some things that are kind of hit with reality a little bit harder, like when you should start sharing things with people. And at the end of that talk, if I remember correctly, I was like, I need to share stuff with people right away, get it out there as soon as possible, get opinions of people right away. And sometimes that's logistically just tough um, because maybe you aren't sure about which direction things need to go and you need to not share it publicly because you don't want to get, um, the, you don't want to give people the wrong impression. You don't want to give people expectations mm-hmm. of something you're promising that you can't deliver. So you kind of hold off until you feel like you've got something that you feel confident you could build. 
that makes sense. But yeah. even still, you can still share things privately. So, like, I came away from that feeling like I needed to share stuff earlier with other with external people, kind of get more validation on projects. And I feel like that's that's true, just not always doesn't always reconcile with the reality. The best, uh, especially if you start working with partners, especially yeah. if those partners say want to hold off an announcement for some big event or something like that, you can control that. But yeah. you want it. You need to kind of trust your partner's judgment on that stuff. Um, so yeah, uh, I think that I'm. If I remember correctly, I was proud of the I, of that topic of that talk in general, and uh, um, and I think I stand by most of what I said in it. Um, uh, but I definitely feel like I would double down on some, and some say like, well, and maybe, but kind of add some caveats to them. Sure. So, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely feel like having coworkers is a helpful thing. Though. Working solo, it's wonderful. You can do a lot of cool things, and maybe you get this nice shared, vi you get this nice cohesive vision. But you're just not going to build something nearly as powerful or strong as if you uh, collaborate with somebody who's really good. And by by that extent, you need to also be really good to collaborate with. Yeah, for sure. Do you think that that has then like factored into your writing on three out of ten or where you're taking the game or is that a separate thing? Um, well, I'm sure because now I know, especially with the writers or not with writers, with the actors, it's kind of like I know. Uh, after a couple of episodes, I learned to be able to trust the um, actors I'd be like, OK, here's a line I've got. It's kind of like. I can picture in there, in my head, what they would say. Mm -hmm. And so even though they had not done the session yet, I knew exactly how they were going to deliver a line because I knew those actors and I knew how those actors, how their sensibilities would approach it. That in turn influenced my writing. So I start writing more in character. And so I'd write to their strengths. Um, and again, it goes back to that collaboration. And it's like me knowing that this is a collaborative yeah. industry um, and um, just knowing that I can trust people I'm working with to do their job and to make us like together we're both like uh, improving ourselves improving each other the collaboration itself creates a uh, uh a rising tide if you will and if, if that tide is the project i don't really know where i was going with that analogy for sure no yeah, yeah that, that 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 makes sense that makes there's sense a, there's a level of respect you gain for each other uh seeing that you know what you're doing and obviously these the actors start to become the characters in a way so you you can sort of trust the liberties that they may take uh, with a line that you give them, and how would you say this? You know, stuff oh, like definitely. That. So, yeah, so, and that's happened quite a bit. Yeah. Um, to go to the more dev side of it, uh, like having just the idea of having a team that's a little larger, but I also know the strengths of it. It's very similar. It's like I know that I could pass something off to these particular developers because they're they've got it. In fact, they do it way better than I ever I could because they can focus on improving it and learning and getting better at it. So um, I've uh, the co-director on 3 out of 10, um, Chris Zukowski, is uh, phenomenal. And he and I work very well together because even though we both came from technical art, um, we have complementary focuses even within technical art. Um, that was our background. He's way mm -hmm. more technical, still incredibly artistically talented. And I've lent, lent, uh, kind of like leaned more of the writing way and the drawing way so more of the um i guess you'd say not necessarily completely different but like very complementary skill sets gotcha and yeah together yeah. he and i co-direct these episodes and uh you know we're very good at deferring to each other and knowing that that uh, deferential um treatment is resulting in a stronger product cool so, stronger good. story stronger game stronger whatever yeah so joe speaking about 
three out of ten. Uh, just a broad question: How did the idea of that game come to be? Like, when did you realize, or your team realize, yes, this is what we want to make? Uh, that's a good question. Um, it had been like a, I want to say maybe half a year before we started working on it, and it was a combination of a couple of things. I'd had a conversation with my wife about something kind of somewhat similar, and then there were conversations with other devs, but largely there was a lot of talking between me and Zuko, uh, the co-director, and mm -hmm. he's essentially he's the co-creator. We were both co-creators of this because right from the beginning he and i bounce ideas back and forth we had ideas about how you could make something can you make a game that is digestible in these small chunks and you make something that's got these this wide variety of mini games how would you do it the technical problems there seemed really fun yeah. it also seemed like a really good way to improve as a developer because you know have you guys heard of the thousand pot um theory I, uh, it's been a while so i'm fuzzy on it but yes i i have I talk about something very similar in that GDC talk that you mentioned about the failure workshop, and I still feel this is very, very accurate. And that's um, within that GDC talk, I'm, I say basically like, um, if you want to get better at drawing, don't try and do one really good drawing. Instead, try and do a thousand terrible drawings and get all the terrible yeah. drawings out of the way, and you learn from each one. Thousand pots theory is the exact same thing. You put two students in front of who've never touched pottery in front of a clay potter's wheel, um, or a pottery wheel with a lump of clay. And you'd say one, spend all semester on one pot and tell the other to make a hundred pots or a thousand pots. The one who's making a thousand pots, their thousandth, their one thousandth pot, even though it's done real quick, will be infinitely better than the one who had been working all semester sure. on one pot. For sure. And it's just yeah. the idea of like you learn from failure. Um, and yeah. uh, the three out of 10 in, as a project is a really clever way to get us to improve because we're working on these mini games and it's like, damn, each one is small and move, and we move on to the next one right away. And we move on to the next episode and each episode gets stronger and stronger. Mm -hmm. And each one has got a micro dev cycle. And so as a result now, we've got it locked down. We know precisely how long an episode takes to make. We know precisely what we need to make one. We know exactly what kind of resources and what kind of arts uh, stuff we're gonna need to add. We can nail the scope of it. Um, we can nail the, the writing of it, the capturing of it, all that stuff that you tend to flail around with, with uh, bigger mm -hmm. games, we've kind of got that process locked down. Our producer, wonderful. Went, nice. it's been, it's been awesome. Um, it's, I mean, our producer went from, a, uh, got us from being uh, at, see the first episode was like half a year to make, ton of time. Second one was four months. Second one was like three months, like each, you know, like we're down to weeks now for episodes. Uh, oh, wow. You know, not like two weeks, we're still like six, seven, but you know, if we are scrambling, we could do it once even faster, but we've kind of basically the repetition has caused the process to really get ironed out. And, and that goes to creativity as well. Uh, yeah. We've gotten, we kind of know where we can start to experiment. We know where we need to spread our wings a little and each episode just has gotten stronger than the last one and much more smoothly uh, built. So you mentioned that you're knee deep working on season two uh, of, mm -hmm. of, of, of the game is like i guess i'm wondering like how has that development process changed from the first one i guess you guys have kind of found your groove uh but is is there something that you are then being like okay we found our groove what if we add this other thing or like you don't have to say what that is yet if you're not allowed but just because we found the groove doesn't mean we don't shake it up and 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 for sure. break the groove occasionally yeah. which we do we'll we'll want to rewrite sections of an episode and need to go back we'll polish stuff up we'll change things out we'll um okay. we experiment um we definitely do 
shake things up quite a bit. And I'm not sure when this would go, uh, when this uh, video uh, podcast will go live. Hopefully sometime uh, this next week. Uh, depending on when it goes live, there may or may not be news out. So oh, gotcha. I won't say anything yet. Um, but well, be on be on the lookout then. So <laughs> right, I mean that you know if that news goes out uh, when it when we want it to, there's 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 stuff to announce coming up. Um, okay, shortly. So pay attention to the Twitter and stuff. But um, we've uh, you know we just shake things up with each episode quite a bit. Um, cool. And uh, it's even though we've gotten that process down pretty smooth and we can get down to like you know it's a matter of like six seven weeks. Depends on how much you count, you know, the QA process and the polish process. Um, uh, even though we've gotten pretty fast per episode, um, we still uh, will we'll add in wrinkles. We'll want to go in and change things because they're not working. Yeah. So we do want to make it something as strong as we can. Okay. okay good stuff. Well, yeah. I'm interested <laughs> in knowing, uh, since this is a sitcom, what kind of TV and movie inf influences were brought in, <laughs> in, in, into this like did 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 you grow up like watching Seinfeld or or, or something, and you're just like, ah, oh, that's that's the one. I need to, you know. No, I didn't grow up. I mean, I you know I've seen plenty of Seinfeld and plenty of, plenty of ninety sitcoms. Um, For sure. I uh, I suppose looking at what I was seeing that was successful in comedy on TV was inspirational. Um, you look at something like Community. You look at something oh, like yeah. uh, Archer. You look at something like South Park. Yeah. Um, they have very distinct tone. They have very distinct delivery system, mechanism, even animation. And uh, I was like, well, why couldn't you do something that was similar in a game space? Why couldn't you try and achieve something that was iterated on that fast? Um, yeah. Or would then, you know, like something like South Park is a very interesting thing to be looking towards because of how fast they make those episodes. They can yeah. be so topical because they make an episode in two weeks, you know? Right. Um, that's amazing. Now, we've never gotten down to two weeks, but you know, that would be a lovely uh, uh, thing to shoot for, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, getting down to, to to something that fast would be amazing. Um, and the fact that they're able to do it is huge. That's a, like, I think that's, a, that's, that's the achievement of South Park, is the speed at which they develop those episodes. Yeah. Um, but you can look at other shows too, like, like Archer, like Community. Community in particular is an interesting one because it's so self-aware and it doesn't take yeah. it seriously and it breaks the rules of, it's of one of my quite a bit. favorites. And I was, I, as, as I, I, I was, playing this i was just like this just reminds me a lot of just the the the, the, the stupid stuff that ha happens in, in that show it's just so r ridiculous and f f fun so well, that's i mean that's what i wanted is i wanted something that was ridiculous and fun and had mm -hmm. a similar endearment to it um, yeah now you know geez i mean uh Harmon and community those are you know like you, it's hard to like that's tall aspirations <laughs> you know you're talking about like uh, for sure you know pinnacle of 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 comedy in my mind um and uh when community was firing on all cylinders it's just unbeatable um but you know that's that's something i was holding up and being like okay let's look at this and see maybe someday i can write something that that awesome and okay i like to think that we achieved uh, uh something that's as close as you ever find in games anywhere at least and, and i like to think that it's uh uh, successful at, at the experiment of like, can you make something that would feel like a television show? Would it yeah. feel as easy to get into? Would it feel as uh, accessible? And, uh, I like to think that it it is. Yeah, yeah, I I yeah. I 
think you guys hit hit hit, hit on on something that 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 is neat that is it's just like <laughs> I, I've, I've i've like i mean because yeah i've i've played life is strange i've played some of the tell tale games but i i i i think with those games in particular it's 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 a lot more passive if 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 that makes sense like sure i can decide what i want the character to say but i i felt like your game was more in gauging of like okay now i have to switch gears and it's like oh it's a zelda like thing and i have to do you know that stuff so it 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 was in interesting to sit through uh, well, thanks. I mean, that was our goal was to make, I mean, we have a philosophy of trying to surprise the player uh, as much as possible and to like them. Um, and mm-hmm. everything comes secondary to that. So I, uh, I guess you'd call it the delight of surprise or maybe the surprise of delight. I don't know. Um, sure. But everything comes secondary to that. And even if that means the writing gets a little weird at times, that's okay. Uh, because yeah. the more important thing is making sure that the player has a good time um, and doesn't know exactly where it's going and is, is left delighted. So the Zelda dungeon, I think, was a very successful uh, moment of that, where it doesn't make very much sense in the story. Uh, right. <laughs> and that's that's okay. I, I mean, other than being just a silly way to get to Canada. Uh, sorry for the spoilers. Hopefully, uh, they've made it this far. <laughs> They're going and playing it. And, and so, the that was, yeah, yeah, that was funny. Um, but yeah, that's a good example of, like, you were not expecting that to come. But then we layer in so many little jokes about Canada in it that I think that you end up, we we take the the player along with this interesting ride where they're like, okay, of course, the Canadians. Do- oh, spider moose. Okay, all right. <laughs> so, um, and you know, it, that takes a layer of 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 uh, of self awareness to be able to realize that that the main objective here is to to give a give the player a fun time and make yeah. it very easy for them to get into. And something like Life is Strange is an interesting comparison because those are longer episodes. Mm-hmm. They're less, you know. I think they're a little harder to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, uh, I mean, it's, it's you know a tremendous um, game, but like I feel like absolutely you have to sit down and really want to play it for a few hours to get through an episode. Um, and uh, with this, I wanted people to be able to play through an episode on their lunch break, and I wanted them yeah. to not have to be stressed out about it. Just be like, you know what? I know exactly what I'm in for here. A 30 minute experience that's filled with some silly stuff that I'm going to laugh along the way. And then I'm back, you know, back to work or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, you 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 mentioned the lunch break thing on your website, so cool, cool enough for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but aside from obviously, you know, having these little surprise moments, uh, the other big thing about three out of ten is the cast, specifically the cast of characters are so unique in their own way. Like Viper seems like some sort of Wolverine like guy. Uh, Joan is. Secretly, is badass <laughs> splinter cell kind of person. Joan of, is fun to write. Yeah. I really like writing Joan. So, writing those characters, how much of yourselves are in the characters? If if you took inspiration from anyone on the team and to make these characters in a way, um, I mean, every character has a part of me in it. That's where I pull from to kind of get a lot of the the perspective of that character. So, even as dumb as Kevin is, the lead designer is an absolute idiot. Yeah. That's me. I mean, I am. I, I I say the idiotic things that he says all the time, and that's uh, authentic. And similarly, I have the hardcore gamer edge in me that you know I've kind of largely outgrown it, but it's still there. Um, I just don't have as much time to be heavy into something like 
the competitive games I used to be into. Not that I was ever mm-hmm. good, but I used to play a lot more than I play now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that, you know, that that was part of my identity. And similarly, the like, you know, Joan is a Midwestern mom who's basically <laughs> super experienced, but is uh, um, kind of off doing her own thing. She's like a character who had been in the industry for forever. And whenever anybody asks her a question, she's got, you know, the history to talk about something, how it's related to yeah. something she's done. She basically, she's done everything. That's her backstory is everything is her backstory. <laughs> and nobody ever listens to her, though. Um, but like <laughs> she's she's amazing. And it just that kind of of uh, I don't know, she comes across as as super nice, but also just kind of being like letting people do their own thing. I feel like that's kind of also part of me or. And so, I mean, yes, there's a lot that I pull from from within for these characters. But then I also will take archetypes from the industry and I'll be leaning heavily on things that have come through my through my past. There's yeah. a, like, I have never, even though I am the, the boss of Terrell Foster uh, Studios, I have never gone into the office without shoes. And, like, Jeb, <laughs> the boss, has never wear shoes. That's what I'm wondering. Um, but yeah. that does come from an anecdote. Um, and it's, it wasn't me. It was a, a boss of my brother. Um, and he worked for a very large uh, internet um, service provider back in the early 90s. And the, the, the boss, actually, I think it might have even been the boss's son, who was also an executive there would oh, walk wow. through the office without shoes in a suit without shoes and it just it struck me as the most audacious thing you could do it was just like a, i own this place i don't even need to wear my shoes here it was just it like really so is. at home that yeah. i was like it stuck with me as this character trait forever and i was like when i was drawing up the the character art for jeb i was like this guy can't have shoes he can't feet are gross and he needs to be showing them off that is that's so funny that you mentioned that because i noticed that and i and i thought to myself there has to be some sort of story behind this guy not wearing shoes. And and you speaking of that anecdote also makes me think of a uh, pylon drinking ketchup. Is there anything with that? Yeah, well, that's that's Zuko. <laughs> <laughs> My co-director is uh uh his sense of humor is really silly and it's got it, it's uh I love it and that started as an in-joke and has become this kind of thing that has now become endearing as a part of pylon. It's not That's just wonderful, ketchup, yeah. it's sugar in general. But ketchup is the fastest delivery mechanism for sugar. Oh, you know, wow. Interesting. But uh, there are other places where you'll see that he's got you know, sugar uh, uh, cravings. And in fact, all the engineers crave sugar. Uh, they're oh, kind yeah. of like sugar vampires. Uh, <laughs> and uh, there's this weird, weird, uh, I guess you would say, meta story that's kind of like underlying the whole thing about the engineers being very powerful vampiric yeah. kind of creatures that thrive off of sugar um and they kind of keep them away from from the sun and from other people uh, <laughs> yeah. which is uh a potentially a little bit of a jaded joke but uh done in good faith hopefully tongue-in-cheek i'm not offending any of my engineering friends <laughs> <laughs> they are the most powerful ones on the team yeah that's that that's what we were kind of wondering of like hey we we know this is all just like hey we're poking fun at everyone but like i like i wonder if there's that one guy out there who's just like that's what you think of me like oh my god <laughs> i mean it, it helps having worn a lot of these different hats myself i kind of know where the hopefully hopefully the edges of of going too far and it's like okay for sure. I yeah. do run by things. I had to go find some Canadian friends and be like, hey, am I making fun of Canadian too? Uh, <laughs> excuse me, of Canada too much? Um, and because I do poke fun of the Canadian healthcare system. Not really poke fun of as much as uh, completely unrealistically glamour, uh, glorify it. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, my Canadian friends were like, no, we're proud of it. 
So I was like, all right, okay. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I will have to run run jokes by some people occasionally and kind of make sure that I'm not transgressing any uh, It's because that's important for my sense of humor is to not punch down and to make sure that I'm treating this mm-hmm. all as a, like, we're in this kind of together. We're making fun of archetypes and we're making fun of ourselves, yeah. but we are part of you. Like, we're all in this together kind of yeah. this industry. And this yeah, industry you understand what mockery. it's like. Like the industry's worth making fun of, so mm-hmm. hopefully the humor comes across as still good nature. Yeah, yeah. Getting rid of the tooth, I guess, is the thing. It doesn't. It's not toothy humor, for sure. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, it's. It's not like ooh, that, that was a bad one. Uh, not yeah. sure. Or about in, in that. places where it does get that far, I feel like that exactly that that face you just made. I'm just like, oh man, I regret that joke. I should have written that out or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I catch it. A few times I, I've, I've. You don't really notice it until you look at it fresh from someone else's eyes. So we try and get as many people looking at the episodes as possible to kind of check for tone and such. There you go. There you go. Good mm-hmm. stuff. Um, I, I wanted to know about the, the, the artwork on, on the, on the game. Cause it, it does seem like this mix of 2d and 3d and there's this, yeah, there, there, how did you guys come up with that, that artwork? Uh, Cause it, you, you guys also have, I think, believe it was episode three or four, I don't remember which which one where they go to the the art a- a- asset store to redecorate, and it, like I I I loved it, but it was just like I I I wonder how much of of that was a a thought they had down the road and was like, what if we make the whole artwork like be this hodgepodge of stuff? There, um, I mean, it's I'd had the asset store idea in my head for a long time, and mm-hmm. I actually would have liked to have had more three D assets in there. Um, more kinds of things that we could have actually taken and put them up on an asset store because it would have been fun to sell the asset back from the game. Um, But uh, the the art style came about because it was what I could draw. Um, That that was like my drawing style. We knew we wanted to animate it. We had a certain goal in mind when we were developing the stuff, and that's we wanted to animate it entirely inside of Unreal. We knew that there was something... In order to maximize the iteration, normally people will take stuff like especially 2D work and they'll animate it in something else and then bring the animation data into Unreal or into the game engine they use. Um, And sometimes they'll animate a few things, but the animation tools are usually very crude inside of the engine. They're getting better, but they traditionally, most of your animation work is still done in Maya or Max or a similar tool. Um, And uh, for this, I want to try and keep everybody in the engine as much as possible. And so me and, uh, and Zuko, the co-director, mostly uh, Zuko actually, developed a system of animating and improving uh, um, how you iterate in the editor itself so that we were able to animate all the characters entirely in real time. The result is that yeah. the animation work that you see in the engine is matched perfectly towards what you then see in the games. Um, the characters are all done in a way that you, uh, you essentially can reuse a lot of stuff. Um, you... Uh, not necessarily reusing, that's not the right word. Um, the the technology between the two pipelines are shared between cinematic and game. And so like the games will actually that use the sense. same characters and rigs in some cases. In some situations, we'll make a entirely new you know characters. Like the Zelda version, we wanted the Zelda proportioned character. So we made yeah. something custom for that. But um, like the goal here was to try and get as much iteration to happen inside of the, of the engine. Um, it was kind of an experiment because Unreal is well suited towards that kind of experimentation and with their blueprint scripting stuff we knew that we could do these mini games quickly um and so we took that package and that was what we approached epic with we we're like what do you think of this this is basically a walking advertisement for all the different kinds of things you can do quickly in your engine yeah and 
they were just like, ooh, this is interesting. They were like, this is kind of, we haven't seen this before. Um, and we we're like, well, we know we haven't either. That's why we want to make it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so is, yeah. is that um, how, how the, you're the releasing it on Epic? Is that how that all came about? Then you guys went to them and was like, hey, we have this thing here that, you know, you yeah, can, I mean, that's can, that's essentially what, what it was. And, you know, Epic is, uh, um, they took a look at the project and they were like, this is something that is really cool. And I don't want to speak for Epic here, um, but uh, sure. I like to think that they, personally, I think that uh, the game shows off what you can do with the Unreal Engine pretty well. Uh, if you're trying to do something more stylized and different, um, yeah. it certainly looks different than what most Unreal games do. And uh, um, it's it's pretty powerful how fast you can make these these different kinds of gameplay experiments or mini games in it. Um, and that's been, I think, very validating. Um, I mean, we came into this project knowing Unreal very well. I had been using it for years and years and years, and so had mm -hmm. uh, Zuko, the co-creator. Um, so uh, it's we were comfortable there, and um, um, this kind of project could, from to my knowledge, only be built this fast using Unreal. Um, I don't think I don't know Unity well enough, gotcha. but I do know that the uh, the scripting tools within Unreal and our comfort level uh, made it super fast. Another question I had, Joe, that I wanted to ask you was about the mini games specifically. Were there were there any that you had ideas for that got cut or didn't make it that oh, you yeah, can tons. possibly share with us? <laughs> tons. Uh, I do I, really quickly before we get into that though, I would do want to say though that just because the art style started with my drawings doesn't mean that it was all me. Like Zuko was basically co art sure. director on it, and then we brought in a lot of people who now I've taken a lot of even the drawing off my hands. Um, and so uh, from, from day to day, it's like it's their puppy. I let them uh, make stuff. So I didn't want to, you know, like downplay their involvement, their contribution. Yeah. Um, but uh, back to the question about um, cut games. There were a few that were, were cut from season one. Um, there were some that were actually really far along. And uh, we either cut them because they were extraneous feeling um, or because they were not polished enough feeling or because they were frustrating to play. Mm -hmm. um, and uh not every experiment works out to be a success i mean even if an experiment ends in failure it doesn't mean that the experiment was bad it just means you learned something right. you uh, didn't know at the beginning of it um we've gotten better and better about making those decisions earlier and scoping appropriately but um you know there are plenty of situations where we'd have to cut games and the way that i began writing the episodes was that i basically could slot in a game in different places I was like, okay, good for here or here or here or here. And uh, mm -hmm. we started filling those those holes with different ideas. And, uh, um, you know, we don't necessarily anticipate on filling all of those holes, but we fill up enough of them. And then we're like, okay, now if we, you know, decide we want to have another game, we can either have it here or have it be cut. Or maybe this one is integral to the plot. So this one needs to stay no matter what. And we have to put extra polish in here, but we got the freedom to play around with some of the other ones. Um, so we'll especially when new episodes are written, we'll kind of look at it together, me and the designers, we'll decide what we want to do to it, where if we need to rewrite something to fit a game in, we will, or where we can pull plot into the game. In season two, there's a couple of really fun games that uh, are really integral to the plot, um, and I'm, Interesting. I was really proud of those. Um, we have some real fun surprises in season two. Um, nice, yeah. looking forward to it. I think I'm every episode in season two is better than every episode in season one, so. Nice. <laughs> I For think we got opinion. two more questions for you here okay. before bef before we let you go. Um, the first one I wanted to, to ask: 
for those of, of us out there who have been kind of following the games industry, we kind of get to know that game development just by itself is a miracle. Like it's 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 hard work. How <laughs> just like how how does this get made, right? Um, so I I wanted to give you an opportunity to I, I guess shout someone out on your team or or or, or, or multiple people of just like they are secretly a badass and they came through in a major way here. Oh man, that's okay. So this is a tough question because there's a lot of badasses on the team, um, <laughs> and I'm really proud of everything we've put together. Um, I mean. We've got quite a few different things going on, and I can't get into the details of what everything that we're working on, but there have sure. been situations where uh, pretty much every single person on the team has stepped up and been like, I am now the owner of this section. Leave it to me. I got it. Um, and just being able to, like, especially when compared to Tower Guns, where I was doing all this on my own, uh, it's like being able to know that I could just trust that person to get it is like a huge uh, relief on my part, because then I can be yeah. like, great, you got that? Cool. Let's deal with this situation over here. You know, and it's just yeah. been over the last few months, I've just seen every developer like in different ways step up and be like, you know, that thing that you're stressed out about. Don't worry. We got this. I'll take it. Yeah. Pull it in. And just claiming ownership is the biggest thing. And that's where you really know that you're starting to fire on all cylinders is when the teammate is able, your teammates are able to to claim ownership like that, really own a process. Um, they're responsible. They've got it through to, to completion. And you can just, blindly trust them like For that sure. yeah. level of confidence in my team is uh like i i don't uh quite know how to express the level of gratitude that i have uh towards my co-developers there you go good yeah. stuff good stuff last <laughs> but not least uh we we also know that you uh, might not have as much time to be playing games but what is <laughs> something that you have played recently that you've enjoyed Oh, I have, I have, well, not a lot of time, but I do have a decent amount of time okay. to, I'm trying to make sure that I'm playing a little bit of stuff just because it keeps me inspired. Um, so every day I do play something a little bit, whether that's experimenting with playing some games that I have had on my list to try for exploring, or uh, even just for 20 minutes, 30 minutes before I go to sleep, just to kind of wind down. Uh, I just finished SteamWorld Quest. Um, okay. SteamWorld games are excellent. Uh, those are actually an interesting inspiration because that team has shown that raw design can translate the raw design skills can translate from genre to genre if you understand how the players can interact with with mechanics um they, they've done everything from platformers to steam world quest is a card battler game rpg mm -hmm. uh the steam world heist was a turn-based art like strategy game um it's like they take the same brand and they just apply different genres on top of it and all of them are excellent they're just amazing games um steam world quest was a little bit more uh, I would say simplistic in terms of how you, how they approached their story and their choices you have along the way, but the actual gameplay was very provoking and thought and like very thoughtful. Um, so I just finished that and I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, I'm also going back and playing through the original Doom because it was on sale for like a dollar ninety nine on Switch. There you go. <laughs> I've never played Doom with a with a controller. Like playing Doom with a controller feels like blasphemy to me. <laughs> but I'm also uh, I'm also enjoying it. Going back and learning uh, from some of the the masters of level design. Um, sure. I played through it, but it's been it's been twenty years. Um, I recently finished playing up uh, playing through Blood, uh, which I also had not played through in a long time. I love my classic first person shooters. Um, I uh, what else? Um, 
there's been more things I was playing through. I played a little bit of Among Us recently, but not too much. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, that's been playing mostly for game night with my my yeah. uh, uh, coworkers. Um, what else am I playing through? Well, let me just, I have to tab over to Steam now. Take a look. There you go. <laughs> right. Or to actually, I've got a decent amount of stuff on the Epic Game Store as well. So um, yeah. So a lot of research, playing through games that are actually similar to games that I had have in my head that I'd like to build. So I'll be like, okay, how did mm-hmm. they solve a problem? Gotcha. Um, so that's not as much fun as playing just for pure enjoyment. But mm-hmm. uh, Research, yeah. Re- well, I mean, it, it can actually be research because I'll be like, oh man, right away I'll see something that I should do or not do um, on my next project. Just, you know, everyone, this industry is, is, every original idea in this industry has got some kind of predecessor. We've all built upon each other and we all learn from each for other sure. and are inspired by each other. So, yeah. yeah. One uh one final thing I want to say, uh, Joe, is I want to call back to uh, what you mentioned on your website about having being able to play these episodes over your lunch break. <laughs> that I think is is something that not all or if any uh, studios are doing. Uh, they they really what you do is really respect people's time with that. Oh, thanks, man. And, and you focus on quality over quantity, which I think a lot more people should do. So that's something I definitely uh, commend you on. That's that a lot more. You have you mentioned four and a half million people have checked out the first episode. I hope more do. So that's uh, that's awesome. It's super funny, super fun to play, and uh, can't wait for season two, man. Thank you. Yeah, I uh, the I mean I take that as a. Not every game needs to be that kind of thing, but there are certain games that we need more of, and I think games yeah. that you can dive in and out of without having a, without knowing you need a lot of commitment, absolutely uh, is important. That's the whole roguelike genre, actually. That Tower of Guns was kind of inspired by. It's like those games, for as much as people give them plaque with the permadeath or with the slow progression or with the randomization, that's their point: is that you can play and have a full experience in an hour or half an hour, and yeah. you can yeah. you can just do that for thousands of hours if you want to, or put it down at any moment and walk away. Yeah. Um, and I like the idea of a player being able to put something down and walk away if they want. Yeah. Well, Joe, thank you so much for, for jo- jo- joining us. This has been wonderful. <laughs> You're most welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, um, for sure. Where, where can p- people find you? Can they find the studio? Where can they get the g- game? All of that. Uh, stuff. Yes. Okay. Really quickly. I can plug, uh, all these links are available at www. 310.show that's the numbers 310.show um but you can also follow us on twitter um that's at terrible posture um and then we also have a discord which is linked from 310.show so check out 310.show and you can get links to play the game links to follow us on twitter links to the discord community all sorts of different things but uh yeah thank you very much for having me um i love to talk about this stuff and i enjoy talking with you too yeah, for sure thank you for being here indeed uh, well, that, that that about wraps us up. Uh, if you guys want to follow me, I am at Yo Kyle Springer on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Gino, where can they find you? I am at Gino underscore Viteri on Twitter. All my links there. There you go. If you guys want to stay up to date with our shows, we are at The Whatnots on Twitter. Go like, share, subscribe. You guys know all of that stuff. Uh, But until next time, we will see you then. Bye. See you guys.